0: the bell, I'm Zach Borman. Since Sue Darden retired last spring, we have had a gaping hole in our association, uh, not having her present at all of the building meetings and all of the board meetings and stuff like that. But we're very lucky that she has agreed to continue uh, whenever available to do so to attend our board meetings and take notes and uh, join us afterwards for a podcast and a recap of the important events and happenings at the uh, West Data Board of Trustee meetings. So we're grateful and delighted to welcome you back, Sue. How are you?
1: Good. It's good to be here, Zach. It's kind of funny after 14 years of board meetings going for six months without it, it's, you know, kind of, it's been interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> did uh, did everyone say hi? Were you, they greet you like norm from cheers or something when the, when you walked into the the building?
1: Oh, well, it wasn't quite that friendly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, she's back." Um no, no, I did get a lot of people who came up and and said something, but then I just got some looks too. So, yeah.
0: So, what have you been up to in your retirement?
1: Um, well, I've been visiting grandkids and my son and so doing some traveling and then um, six weeks ago I had knee surgery so I couldn't make some of the um, meetings and in fact I discovered that the district is not being ADA compliant so um, the, mm-hmm. they don't tell you what to do if you need access to the elevator it's supposed to be on the agenda and you're supposed to call Dave Reinhart ahead of time to arrange um access to the building in the elevator but um that's no longer on the agenda so anyway i think it will be next time so Um, here i was causing problems coming back and jumping in saying hey you guys aren't ada compliant Hmm.
0: (laughs) well making waves continue to make waves
1: (laughs) like tears it was like oh here she is again
0: OK, well, um, we actually the, the last six months have been fairly uneventful, I would say, having attended most of them myself and myself. And I, I didn't feel like we would necessarily would have even needed to record episodes of this podcast because it not much of it affected employees all that much. I think they were trying to keep things relatively tame prior to an election. Um. And uh, it seems to have worked because all three of the incumbent trustees that were up for election were re-elected. So they haven't angered anyone very much, obviously. Uh, But uh, I don't know. They may have taken a step in that direction last night at the board meeting. But uh, we'll talk about that briefly. Yeah. One of the
1: decisions they made did did seem like something like, Oh, like, Oh, we could be uh, voted or ousted again or something. Yeah. So,
0: but, uh, why don't we go ahead? Let's, let's go at this chronologically. How did the evening start?
1: Um, well, it started again with the pledge and the superintendents update thanked the veterans and had a veteran who is at SR at Centennial speak. And then, um, Renaissance did their little, um, student body officers presentation, which was, um, was good and then i got tears they had a vocational rehabilitation and they talked about how they have students in the 18 to 21 year old program who um they used to try to get them jobs in the community but when covid came uh that wasn't available and then they still have busing issues so they started having them be um like custodians are working in in food and nutrition around the district. And they had one student who was in at the Rocky program. He was so excited to be there and he um is not real verbal but he's working as a custodian and um you know i just and then um one of the graduates from the program at rocky is hired full-time at oahu as is a custodian and so it's really great to see that they are doing things that help the students but also end up helping the district too so um and to see the the student who was there his enthusiasm his excitement and the you know it was really touching so um And that some of the money to pay them is actually reimbursed um, from the federal government. So that was pretty cool. And then Marcus talked about tutor.com, which is a program they started last year. And that's when I was in the classroom. And I actually, my students who used it really liked it, but now it's, um, they used ESSER funds to pay for it. And at the end of the year, the contract will be up. So they're going to be gathering data to look at usage and stuff to see if they want to um, renew that contract. It's currently third through 12th graders. I'm questioning whether they might say 6 through 12 or 9 through 12. But um, hopefully, I hope they don't drop the program because I think it's a good one.
0: The data, what did Marcus have a whole lot of data about how much it is being used?
1: Um, He did say that as of October 22nd, there were 8,019 sessions. But then they also said that they had everybody log in. So I was kind of saying, okay, that's not even like every kid there. So does that mean that people who went on after the login because it did say the average session is about 22 minutes and so um and the students who are using it are giving it ve- very favorable feedbacks 90.6 percent found it helpful um, and i know my students who use it my sixth graders last year used it for math and the ones who did it um who didn't have parents that could help them with their math um most of them thought it was really helpful so I'm not sure about all the subjects, but in math, especially, um, my, the student, I had some students who used it quite a bit.
0: Oh, I'll bet that's right around that sixth grade age that, uh, they, they start progressing past what parents remember or can do. <laughs>
1: right. And some parents honestly are busy that, you know, have jobs yeah. or other, you know, totally. things going on. And if they happen to work late and the kid's trying to do homework and wants to get it done and you know, or working well before the parent gets there so they can have family time. So it, I think it's just a great resource. And so I do hope that, um, you know, that the data does hold out and that they are able to, um, keep it going at least for the, um, the upper level students. Again, uh, it'll be interesting to see how much of it is used by elementary.
0: Okay. So that put us into the patron input. Most of the patron input did, revolve around the consideration of uh of the reconsideration process of the nowhere girls but uh there was one other random so one other random patron input that we should maybe discuss before we get into that
1: yeah so this lady got up to say that there's a program and i don't remember the name of it that's starting at sawtooth for next year and it has an agenda for lb lgbtq plus and she went on to say how it demonizes american values and uh brings in pedophilic delusions and um that they want to start it in idaho and move it but um it's something i personally hadn't heard about and the way the board members are looking, I'm not sure they had either. So yeah. I, it will be interesting to see if this does come up because it has to go through before the board and why would they start it just at, at sawtooth? Why wouldn't it be in all the middle schools? And um, yeah, so I, it just left me with a lot more questions than answers. Uh, she wasn't a parent, but she believes children of the future and, Anyway, so um, it was it was a strange
0: kind of a strange presentation. Or yes, yeah. uh, uh,
1: Anyway, she she said everything like they were facts, but I just ended up with a lot more questions when she was done than um, you know answers. And so I really am not sure what she was talking about.
0: Okay. Before we get into the specifics, I, I guess a little bit of a precursor or a background about our reconsideration process, which was retooled last spring in conjunction with the WAEA and a number of librarians across the district and stuff. Um, the the way that the district now uh, identifies materials that are... Um, potentially needing to be pulled off the shelves start with basically being challenged. Well, there are a couple of different ways, hypothetically, uh, an administrative process where essentially the superintendent can identify texts that are problematic uh, and, and start that removal process, or it can start with a patron concern. And now from my understanding, this has mostly been utilized by a couple individuals in particular that are challenging and challenging and challenging textbooks, uh, but they are following the process, which begins with a site-level review, which is conducted with the complainant, an admin, a librarian, and applicable staff. If it is not deemed uh, inappropriate at that point, it can then be uh, moved on to a, the, the more formal reconsideration process which is a, uh, a, an appointed committee, including up to five parents and guardians from varying districts and zones, a li- librarians, teacher, and an administrator. And so the book that was in question last night had gone to that committee, had been voted to be kept by a vote of seven to three. Uh, but at, if the patron decides that they're not satisfied with the decision of the committee. They can still press further, and it then moves to the, the board of trustees. So the board got a copy of The Nowhere Girls two meetings ago, I think, about a little over a month ago, and were asked to read the book in preparation for this final step of the reconsideration process. And uh, uh, I, as well, had ended up reading this book um just out of curiosity and and you know we have a lot of members who are librarians and yeah it's uh so i i did speak at the in the patron input section
1: and you did a great job too zach
0: thank you well it's you know if if anyone's curious i i have a fairly lengthy speech i don't know my seven eight minutes or something like that but um I'd love to have you listen to it it is on the on the YouTube video if you find it on on the district's YouTube page but the book is complicated it addresses sexual violence at the high school level and and a kind of problematic rape culture that sort of enables or uh, causes a number of these incidents to occur uh, young girls kind of find this to be unacceptable and when a new girl moves into town and she's like, why is someone not doing anything to stop this? And they kind of form a little, they form a group of the young women in the, in the high school and they take some active steps to change the culture. And it has a lot of swear words and it has a couple of... Um, scenes where that sexual violence happens and a couple of scenes where it's not sexually violent but it's descriptive of a character who um you know engages in sexual activity promiscuous behavior for her own reasons or and so it it paints a it's a fairly adult-ish book uh but it it certainly has messages that i i believe that some of our teens need to hear about it's a It's a complicated book, but it's one that has a lot of value.
1: Well, it was interesting because you made all those points. And then another librarian spoke. Um, She's at Centennial. And um, she um, spoke in favor of the book. And then another patron got up and just said that to use the processes that we have. And he sounded like he was in favor of the book also, like he was opposed to book banning. But then the book... Um, we get the board members that came in and a librarian um, emailed me after um, I sent out the minutes last night. And she had said that now that makes 11 books that were banned this year because 10 others are banned in committee, but that um, she was concerned, um, you know, that that they're when they're going through with uh, the processor that they're coming up and um, that they're, letting them, what was it? Um, too much to it's a nebulous line. Oh, cause the board members all gave different reasons. They didn't have one specific reason, but each one had a different reason why it should be banned. So she said that they, people on the committee still wouldn't have like clarity of what they should be looking for.
0: Right. Yeah. What the, what the state, like literally every one of them had an entirely different reason.
1: <laughs> right. And do we want to go through those reasons
0: or. Uh, briefly, I suppose. Yeah. Okay,
1: I can do it real quick. Trustee Redford said um, that the book is was too sexually explicit. She's not for censorship, but there are certain websites that we don't allow and maybe there should be certain books we don't allow. Um, so, and Trustee Baclion has a literature major. He was using words that I had never heard before since I don't have a literature major and talking about how they um, would bring up Um, say repeat the same phrase over and over and um, anyway he had all these different things they had pop culture references which become outdated Um, they don't um, develop characters enough, they generalize, it's divisive. So he just believed the book should be banned because it's poorly written. But that's kind of interesting because that's not usually how we decide if a book is in the library. Or yeah, not. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not because it's poorly written because that's again, um, you know, it's maybe not some award winning book, but there's some good books out there that may. Not be written as well as others. Then um, Trustee Azuna was concerned because it's in high schools and and thir- you know, freshmen can be started as thirteen year olds, and she was just concerned that they. Um, she said if they could give it for juniors and seniors, but I guess that's too hard to have a section like that. So she was afraid that kids would get it at too young of an age. And Trustee Bonetti was not bothered by the over sexualization. But he said that um, that he didn't like how that when this girl was raped, the, the rape culture, that they didn't go to parents, teachers, principals, or police. Um, and so he didn't like it, how it was resolved instead that that he they didn't send a message that they should report and seek help for the victim. And, you know, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if they said why they didn't do that. I guess they didn't feel, they felt like from what I heard that the the police wouldn't help out in that case, um, and then uh, Chairman Fraser was saying it's it's important, but that the stakeholders, the student, but the parents, should be able to make the call. Um, and there's there should there's other books that would be better about helping rape victims instead of this book, that she didn't feel that reading that book would help somebody who had been through a similar situation. So it was a unanimous decision to reverse the committee's decision. And now that book is banned in West data.
0: Yeah. Well, we had a brief conversation with uh, Benetti before the meeting myself and a couple of the librarians. He wanted to listen to their concerns and, and their arguments. And uh, he had expressed that particular idea to us that it, it encourages them to solve it themselves rather than approach the appropriate authority figures and that kind of thing. But I mean, I, and our argument to him was like, that's, that's it's, a, it's a book, it's a, it's a narrative. And if, if there's a problem and then they immediately just go to the appropriate adult and it gets solved as soon as it's a problem, you don't have a book.
1: Right.
0: And that may not be real life too. Yeah. And it's Um, and, and the thing is in, in the story itself, they don't go to the police because there was a girl. So a new character, Grace moves to town and she moves into this house where this other young girl who was her age had just moved out and had supposedly lost, lost her mind, had a mental breakdown after she had been raped and tried to report it. And no one believed her. And she was, persecuted basically. And, uh, and so the police did nothing, the school did nothing. So if, you know, if you're concerned about that, why would you then go to the police or the school necessarily um, if they've already proven that they're not capable or are going to make your life worse for having said anything about it in the first place?
1: Well, I guess one of the things is some of the um, board members seem to think that the book should be a step-by-step or self-help manual Um, it's that somebody deals with that instead of looking at that, this is a work of fiction too. So, um, you know, anyway, it was interesting because they didn't give guidance to like, they each had a different reason why, um, they voted not to, um, keep the book in the libraries.
0: Yeah. There isn't a clear criteria. I, the argument that I thought they were going to make was that it just wasn't in alignment with our curriculum enough you know, like in our health class or whatnot, that it has basically lessons about sexual health and stuff that is not something that we would teach in our health class. So therefore it shouldn't be on our shelves.
1: Well, trustee Redford came closest to that. She mentioned something similar to that, but, um, that talking about, um, that like in banning the websites and, and, um, so, but yeah, they, they didn't, didn't go with that route. So, Um, I I trusty Baclion's argument about it just not being a well-written book he went he was the one who spoke the longest but I just like oh my goodness just because you don't think it met some literary standard you know that's why you're saying it's it's
0: an impossible standard his his literary standards whatever they may be would would Nothing would be in our libraries if that were the case.
1: I know. I'm just kind of like, okay, didn't there's use alliteration
0: a lot. properly. Yeah. Or well. I know. He was
1: going through. <laughs> he came up with all these words about ways that stuff should be written, and I'm just thinking of some great kids' books that are out there that probably do not meet his standards, but they captivate students' you know imaginations. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the Michael Vay series. I love that for middle school. It's an awesome book, series of books. There's eight or nine of them now, but they're not the most well-written books, but they're fun and they're exciting. And it's like, you can't, you know, be waiting students to be excited because a new book was finally being published after, you know, a year or something. So yeah, it's like, anyway, so that... That, that wouldn't meet a standard, so that but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have the books in the library because they are they are really fun reads. So um, I just thought that was interesting. And um, when I heard from the other from the librarian about the fact that we've gone through because somebody is filing grievances now, but I guess one of my concerns is something that you mentioned to me earlier, Zach, is that now is it in policy that the superintendent can start the review process himself? Or is that just Um, something he decreed?
0: No, it it is. It's it's a part of the AR. It's one of the steps. So the district administrative review uh, is conducted by the chief academic officer, librarian, admin, and applicable staff using the book resource alignment guide. And uh, the recommendation to superintendent to remove remain some levels or no levels. So ultimately it can be started by Marcus Myers, or Dr. Bub can hear about something and, and be like, can you look into this, Marcus? And then he'll take a look at it and make a recommendation to superintendent. And I think they can just remove it from there.
1: Well, I don't understand why they can't tell the patron who's concerned that brought it to their attention that um, they need to go through the regular process. It's They're they're opening a can of worms or people can go straight to them then. And uh, I, bypass I'm not sure it, exactly
0: but- in practice how that how that works out but I, I see that concern
1: yeah anyway okay so that was the the whole book thing and so uh nowhere girls will no longer be in um
0: nowhere will libraries. be nowhere in our libraries
1: that's right and then the rest of the board meeting um what actually went really quick um in about 15 minutes they went through several policies um but they were on second or third readings And there were very little changes. So, um, and all of the, every policy, but one pretty much was just about the board, like the term of office. Um, It used to be called, if somebody had a grievance about a board, now it's called a censure. um, uh, If there's a board vacancy, duties and responsibilities of the board, um, how they can negotiate with uh, um, the union and then um, the compensation for expenses if they travel and then there was one about if they want to approve a public charter school, and finally one where the only one that may affect employees, um, how the superintendent can assign employment related duties and also allows the superintendent to put an employee on leave or assign them other duties out of the classroom. And that one was on its third reading and it passed. Okay. And then they went into executive session to discuss. Um, either a student or a teacher or an an employee Um, and so i left at that point because all they were going to do when they came back was make vote vote on that without saying what happened and then talk about any future agenda items
0: okay well again a a fun one to jump back in on
1: yeah and yeah i'm gonna sad to miss the one in december but i'm going to be back with the grandkids so um, I won't be there for that one.
0: All right, but well, um,
1: then maybe um, in January I'll be back. Great, and
0: you're gonna be joining us for uh, lobby day again, Sue.
1: I am. I am signed up for lobby day already. Awesome. I signed up. I signed up through Swear because now I'm part of the Retired at Southwest Educators Association retired. Um, so we have a a luncheon tomorrow. Um, went with some of the members to the kickoff for the red kettle yesterday, went to a luncheon down at the Grove for that. So yeah, staying busy in my retirement.
0: Awesome. Well, we're great that you grateful that you could fit us into your busy schedule and uh, we'll attach the notes to the, the episode notes and we'll chat with you the next time we can chat with you.
1: Okay. Sounds great. Thanks Zach.
0: Okay. Thank you Sue.